Hey guys, you're listening to Scooby Dudes. This is a podcast about your favorite metal. And they're dumb dog too. And we are here to do uh, an episode that we've done a few times before. This is another oh, yeah. prom Wait, episode. We done, we've done prom episodes before? Yeah, it's where you go and uh, we go online we find a prom generator. <laughs> oh yeah, prom in circumstance. I forgot that we called it that last time. Yeah, we also did straight prom out of prom. It's kind of yeah, prom un. We got to remove the t. Uh, yeah, we uh, um, we do a lot of writing proms to get us started. So, what's our prom for today? Well, actually, I think I think that you have our prom, sort of. Oh yeah. So here, let me let me just uh, like randomly generate or quickly type up a prom for us to go off of. Here, you know what? I'm just gonna roll my hands around the keyboard. You're like, uh, what is it, a, a thousand monkeys on A thousand monkeys at many typewriters. And, okay, let's see what came out. Um, A-S-D-F-J-K-L-S-D-E-F-P-O-A-F, semicolon, it's prom night in Crystal Cove, where all dances are Sadie Hawkins. Join us as a ghoulish date in an eerie cold case. Send the gang deeper down the rabbit hole than they've ever been before. See, um, by if, the way, if we do, we're the Scooby... Sorry? Is it also, we're the Scooby Dudes. No? I want to change her name. You want to change... What do you want to be, man? It's kind of late. We got some name recognition. I think we'd be... I mean, No, we should change it. Okay, but the name has to be good enough to make up for the loss of name recognition. So what's it going to be? So to this... Okay... The, the slickest rebrandings are rebrands that are close to what the original originally were. Like, you know mm. how there's Domino's Pizza, and then they took the pizza out of it because Domino's stands up on its own? Right. Or K- uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken became just KFC. Right. So I think we just do a small tweak. We just change a letter, and we become the Scooby Dukes. I don't hate this. I don't hate this. The Scooby Dukes? Are we... We frame ourselves as Scooby royalty, perhaps? No, no. We're two good old boys who wear short, cut-off jean shorts. <laughs> and also, we Scooby Duke it out every now and again. We like yeah. we get into pugilistic stances, and we really... Yeah, we, we duke it out. But, okay, in all seriousness... In all seriousness, folks, we'll be here all night. We're the Scooby Dudes. For the moment, unless you like Scooby Dukes, we'll change it in a heartbeat if you if we get a single extra listener. And we are returning. Uh, it's been a little while. We're returning to Mystery Incorporated, which is yeah, a show we favorite. Have. We haven't done it in a bit. Many. Also, by the way, we're filling this in really piecemeal. My name is Luke. Now let's tell him a little bit more and then give him your name. Um, this episode is uh, we're doing the Legend of Alice May. Also, his name is Evan. Sorry, what's the name of the episode? The Legend of Alice May. Also, his name is Evan. Also, his name is Evan. Ah, dang, that's a weird... I don't see a lot of that playing out in this episode. You know, it's nice to be recognized. Two dudes talking about Scooby-Doo. Two dudes just like you. Unless you're a lady, mm, this show is for ladies too. If you're LGBTQ, we are your Scooby-Doos. One of the things that I think I really admire or enjoy about Mystery Incorporated is that the animators and the writers and whoever they are, they really enjoy themselves 
putting in little cameos, putting in little like visual references to other things. Absolutely, and really, older Scooby-Doo works. We have a, this episode is really rich with references to older Scooby-Doo works with high fidelity to what happened before. Um, for instance, I, we see the Creeper at one point in this episode, and we have a little scene from the episode that involved the Creeper played out exactly as it played out originally. I really like that. I, the first instance, uh, for more of what I, I, I obviously also recognize that, but when we start out, it's prom night. As I crudely referenced in the introduction to this podcast. So crude. It was disgusting, man. It was nasty the way you referenced prom night. It was impressive, honestly, the journey you took. So this episode starts out, there's this young man, a teenage boy, I guess, and his parents are seeing him off because he's going out to enjoy prom. And um, I know that a lot of people have pointed this out, is probably on the Scooby-Doo Wikia, almost certainly, but his parents look like the parents from that 70s show. Oh yeah, they kind of do, don't they? Similar dynamic, too, where the mom's like, oh, remember our prom night? It was the best night of our lives. And like, mm, you didn't go with me. Which I actually thought was very funny. I thought that was very funny. I thought the timing of it was more sad than anything else. It didn't, it didn't make me laugh. It kind of made me go, oh, that is a lot of people. <laughs> um, but this, uh, this kid, I believe, is voiced by Jason Marsden. This, like, he, hmm. voices a, he does a lot of Not- voice work. He's like Tino on The Weekenders. I don't know that one. You don't know The Weekenders? I don't know The Weekenders. They're living for The weekend. Oh, no, I never did see this one. Is that right? Is the voice right? I, oh, I'm sorry, I haven't gotten there just yet. Uh, he was Tino. Oh, you know what? I did see this a little bit. How does a Wikia page not show who voices them? That's such a disservice. What, are you serious? Yeah, The Weekenders Wikia doesn't show the voice actor. Uh, Jason Marsden, you're exactly right. But... But is that the same guy who voiced uh, this kid? I don't know about that. I want to say the singing voice of Tino is Charlie Skanker. Unfortunate last name. You... <laughs> oh, I thought you said that like you knew him. No, yeah. Charlie Skanker, who we went to high school with. Skanky Charles, as we used to call him. And I've seen The Weekenders, but I remember none of it. All you need to know is that they're living for the, for the weekend. Okay. And there are Tino, Carver, Tish, and Lore. They would they would hang out at one of at, at somebody's house and play video games and one of the main character's mom was always like giving him good life advice. Okay, you know what? This was a thing. I do remember the show a little bit. It wasn't Jason Mars and it was James Arnold Taylor who voiced this guy? Yeah. You you have such a look of disgust like somebody just let one rip right in your face. It's, who is this <laughs> it's Joker? not that big a deal. <laughs> who is this Joker? Who's this dude? He played Johnny Test, and then also Obi-Wan Kenobi on the Clone Wars series. Huh. This episode was pretty front-loaded with some great voice acting talent, um, which I'll, I'll try and point out as we go. Um, he was, okay, he was also, and look, this was not that long ago. He was also Rung Ladderton. Who's Rung? From the Ghost Rig episode with, like, the scary semi. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. It seems too soon to bring him back out. I don't know. That was episode three. This is episode six. I don't... You're obviously not remembering the voice. You're not like, hang on, this is the guy from that ghost rig episode. It's it's fine. Why am I British when you when you? Hang on, Luke. This is an ep... We've heard this voice before. Oh, this is unacceptable. Pretty good, actually. Um, But you were saying about prom, I think? We went deep on a wiki dive there. Listeners, we do have an episode to discuss oh, man, for is, you. Um, why, don't we, why don't we get to the cold? Oh, we're at the cold open. Mom and Dad just saw their sweet little boy off to meet his date. 
this I do think is important. So let's kill like a few minutes. Luke, have you ever been to prom? No, I never have. I went to a prom. Oh, that's right. C- uh, CMIS? At CMIS. Uh, for our listeners who don't know, Luke and I both went to an international school in Chiang Mai, Thailand. Yes. We went so, to GIS, but the cool school was CMIS, and Evan had friends at CMIS. And and also for additional context, we went to a Christian school. Uh, so I guess Christians don't celebrate prom? Uh, we were kind of conservative. We did have a homecoming dance, I think. Uh, like a homecoming line dance kind of thing. Like, wait, there's no real dancing in that thing. There were dances later. You didn't go to them. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's just me. <laughs> um, but yeah. But I, I did go to a prom, and it was so weird because at Grace, where we, we again, we went to school, the tradition was if you were going to go to a dance with someone, you'd go to dinner first. It would be kind of like a, like a date, like a nice thing. Yeah, you kind of had to get your money's worth out of it because there were so few romantic-themed events. But at CMIS, there was no... that They didn't have that tradition in place. They would just meet at the <laughs> dance. This is so funny because it's like, I think that's normal to like meet at the dance or to go to the dance together. At Grace, it's like we, we have this different kind of normal. Well, we have to get dinner and exchange purity rings first before we go to the dance. That's, of course, uh, we have to. Do you think it's... No, but I think in prom culture, like, because neither of us were really teens in the States or in Canada. Don't you think that there's mm-hmm. this idea that like the boy shows up? at the daughter's house and he like picks her up and he like gives her a corsage and their parents are like oh we need to take pictures of you then they go into their limo and right is that not i i do think that's all true but i assume that limo went right to the dance that's that's what pop culture has led me to believe yeah and i think also meeting at the dance not the end of the world kind of thing i think the limo is overplayed in media but isn't a reality a lot of the time no you think so it's okay here in toronto if you're out driving on the street, or like I bike, obviously, every fifth car is a limo. Okay, wow. See, I my perception of prom comes almost entirely from media, because I never went to one. I don't, I'm like out of the loop. I don't have a lot of high school friends and stuff, I guess. But sorry, you were saying. You don't have any friends in high school? Only relatives. Most of my friends are in high school. That's creepy, dude. <laughs> you're, you're too old for that. No, they're teachers. Oh, <laughs> deceptive. <laughs> So, this prom, we, we're, listeners, we're almost past the first 10 seconds of the episode. We're, I, like, we're zipping along. I just bring, bring that up to point out the fact that I think, in as far as I know, the girl showing up at the guy's place You're right. in the limo, a little yes. progressive. And the, yeah, and the the girl also, like, staying in the car. It's a little like, rude. I deeply think that's shadowed. Rude. Yeah, look rude and creepy. Like, this is a mysterious benefactor. That's how she pulls up to the house. And speaking of creepy, this is, I think, the, the most suggestive episode of this show we've seen. It's episode six, but it's so suggestive. Yeah, what's it suggesting here? I'm not actually sure what you're getting at. So, so there, he's in the... He's there. His date is kind of in shadow, like you mentioned. Hmm. Um, and she's like, uh, his name's Randy. She's like, can I make a little confession? This isn't my first prom. And I was like, okay, all right, yeah, okay. Fine. That's you went with an older student at some point. I've gone with other boys at other yeah. schools. But I think you're the one, Randy. And it's like, excuse, I feel like kids could read between the lines. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, they'll get that. Well, maybe it's I really. Know. I mean, I'm an adult, and I didn't read between those lines. <laughs> Also, one thing that we never get decided throughout this episode, because she attacks him, like she, she, basically, in this scene, she peels off her face, 
revealing like a skeletal ghoulish it's really gross it's this um i think it's really gross in zombies and ghouls and stuff when the nose has rotted away yeah it, that's what it is, looks like it looks it's peeling off as if it's sloughing off really nasty the grossest part for me actually was that she her voice didn't change i expected that you're the one for me I'm gonna eat you. I don't know what it is, uh, but she talks exactly the same way, and that was the it, creepy it's part. It's just like really sweet teen voice. Exactly. Very disconcerting. Yeah. Um, my question now, looking back, who was driving that limo? Who was never implicated? <laughs> like that's just the limo driver. Hey. The limo then calmly just t- just drives away, and she's just like, "Are you Randy? Be my boyfriend forever and ever." And then, what you would expect is all of a sudden there's like violent shaking and the limo um goes back and forth and then like swerves off of the road and like hits a tree you know like that's a very yeah. horror movie well he did say he wanted to get his swerve on so that makes sense boo, boo? oh come on come on <laughs> something that beth does to me on my other podcast she boos you she boos oh me my i make jokes and then she'll just say boo <laughs> she keeps me humble fair enough uh and that's that's really the intro we have we're introduced to uh the villain this kid's been kidnapped then we're going to drop into the gang. So Scooby and Shaggy are watching a horror movie marathon, specifically a Vincent Van Gogh marathon. This is a great callback to the 13 ghosts. Uh, when I saw Vincent Van Gogh, I thought, yeah, this is straight up Vincent Van Gogh before they even name drop him. And it's like a black and white film, a slasher film too, which is a little different, kind of modernized. The most hilarious thing to me about this Van Gogh-a-thon, which is 405 mm-hmm. Van Gogh classics, Whoa. In a in a week, so I guess just like didn't catch that twenty four hours a day, seven yeah. days a week is for this particular week. It's just Vincent Van Gogh. He's always wearing that sort of like what is it like an opera? Like if you went to the opera, yeah, cape kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like and a rich like, man cape. How are you in all of these movies and there are no wardrobe? Like you're <laughs> you're the same person in every movie. Yeah, well that's what people want. They want that recognition. The funniest part to me is that we come in on Vincent Van Gogh at the end of the movie, like there's this huge pile of zombies, or no, vampires he slayed right next mm-hmm. to him, and it zooms in on him, like saying a quip at the vampires. Scooby and Shaggy are like hiding under the covers, shivering, as if we're watching the monster right now. I it's not as if it's at the end of the movie and we're getting that release of tension. It's as if this is the tense moment. They're really scared by him. Um, I also, really quick, if I can take a moment, it's not <clears throat> Vincent Van. It's not Vincent Van Price who's or Vincent Price who's voicing Van Gogh. Because he would have been dead by this point. He unfortunately passed away at this point. It was Maurice LaMarche, better known as the smarter half of Pinky and the Brain, and Kit from or Kiff from Futurama, as well as my favorite Hedonism Bot. Ooh, that's like Hedonism Bot, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that was a good Hedonism Bot. Um, so yeah, I really dug that. I like uh, I like the Vincent Van Gogh edition in this episode. As you'd said early on, they have a lot of loving callbacks to other Scooby-Doo media. I and for that reason, in addition to other reasons, I really like this episode. It turns this has been my favorite. Yeah, sorry, this has also been my favorite episode yet in this series. It turns out that this is not just like a buddy, like because Scooby and Shaggy, just not like a fun buddy evening. It's technically a date. I like this. Cause I, I love the pan out to show a third wheel. That works for me virtually every time. Because they're both under the blanket. <laughs> so, like, Velma isn't even under the blanket with she's them. Just she's just sitting at the side with her arms crossed. And her body language, she's pissed. Yes. You know what? Can we take a moment now and lay out what's happened in the previous few episodes just to catch listeners up to speed? Um, sure should. Velma and Shaggy are dating on the DL, but Shaggy doesn't want Scooby to find out because he thinks Scooby will feel like the third wheel. Instead, functionally, Velma's off in the third wheel, and Shaggy seems undercommitted to a relationship that Velma's maybe a little overcommitted to. 
Also, Daphne is way into Fred, who is way into traps and virtually asexual up to this episode. He's oblivious. Oblivious, but not, as we'll find out, completely asexual. And as we've been going through this series, the gang has discovered little clues that there was once a mystery-solving gang in this same town that once disappeared. And so... As we investigate the monster of the week, we're also trying to uncover that long-running mystery. So Scooby goes to go get some food. Shaggy kind of like prompts him to go uh, grab more snacks. Mm -hmm. Um, Velma's like, okay, now we're alone. What I think we should do, since this is our one-month anniversary of being a couple, we should have our official coming out at the prom, which is coming up. Oh, yeah. Also, take me to prom, Shaggy. Yeah, this is... And I, this might as well be a Sadie Hawkins dance, as I laid out my premise. Everyone who goes to the prom goes with a girl asking a guy. Yeah, Velma keeps pushing the fact that Shaggy should ask her to prom, which is effectively her asking Shaggy to prom. Yeah, I mean, that's really what it is. She, she twists his arm. Although, in previous episodes of this series, I've said I really pin the blame on Velma. This episode is one where I really think of Shaggy as complicit because he's not being honest with her about his feelings and his preferences, and that's not fair to her. Daphne, on the other hand, is dropping at the high school, Coolsville High or whatever. Sorry, Crystal Cove High. Dropping mad yes. hints to Fred. And just like, well, I, are you going to go to prom? Or like, what are you going to do? Like, I'll go if someone asks me. Fred's like, probably do the same thing I do every year. Monitor my police scanner and patrol the sewers. I love Fred in this series. It's great. Also, when we walk in on the school, uh, we see two separate posters. One says Prom Night, N-I-T-E. The other completely separate poster says, Are you ready? That's it. Are you ready for Prom Night? Are you just ready? Is it, what's the, what do you think? Why not put it all on one poster? General PSA. Just a general PSA, like, are you ready? Honestly, that does work for any context. Whatever you're going through, are you ready? Look, if I saw that before I stepped out of my house, maybe I would f forget my ID card less. You know what? I could, like, stand to get that tattooed on my forearm. Are you ready? Is there ever going to be a context where that isn't helpful? It's very useful. Thank you. You brought me around on that poster. I'm going to get one. So there is a new girl. She is blonde. Uh, and for comic book aficionados, let me just say, she's Gwen Stacy. Oh, dude, especially at the very end... Uh, I some there's a visual that made me think this is Gwen Stacy. Although when she first showed up, I thought, oh, this is Ash, leader of the Deadlock Gang and former oh. lover of McCree. <laughs> yeah. Topical. Very, very topical. Uh, she has blonde, very blonde hair. She has a black headband and she wears green, which is um, the traditional character design of Gwen Stacy in early Spider-Man comics. Hmm, I could see that. Yeah, she she really does look Gwenish. So her name is Alice May, and she is new. I cannot remember if we said this, but the name of this, or the title of this episode is The, the Legend, Legend of, of Alice, Alice May. May. We did say that, and I will say now, there is no legend surrounding Alice May. I think at, towards the, at the very end of the episode, I'll explain why, but I think this should have been called The Myth of Alice May. Can I also say, I think that Mystery Incorporated, and, and you know, I tend to like the series more than you do, but I think that... The episode titles are so bad. Yeah, they're really bad. I, For a show that has a lot of troubled bits, those are one of the weakest parts, for, in my opinion. Like, well, the, the last episode we did was, like, um, The Song of Mystery. Yeah, it was exactly like that. And A, all it makes me think of is The Song of the South. Yeah, <laughs> not a good and, callback. And B, 
it's about like this creepy like pied piper like like mesoamerican uh, ghost there, or there's so That's... many opportunities for a pun there or just like for a better title that pertains more closely to what's happening yeah the song of mystery tells you nothing yeah revenge and... of the man crab what was man crab getting revenge on yeah exactly alice may at least is a central part of the episode but there is no legend relating to her at all this oh, if anything this is like a callback to old episodes of scooby-doo with even more inconsequential titles Whatever the case. We then make our way into the Coolsville High School Auditorium. And let me just say, beautifully rendered and also just beautiful. The auditorium was like nicer than any school auditorium I've ever been in in my life. It was super nice. It's like, I I would rather have a prom there than at a hotel. It was like hotel quality. Listeners, I'm going to take a screenshot of this auditorium. Go check it out at scoobydudes.com. You're really into that. Fair enough. Um, and we're getting an announcement. Basically, <coughs> Sheriff Bronson Stone, voiced by my personal favorite, Patrick Warburton, lays out the cold open for everybody, which isn't super common. He basically says, hey, there are like people disappearing in limos before prom night. Be careful. I can't do the voice, but uh, there have been reports of a... F- uh, yeah. <laughs> there have been reports of a phantom limousine with a ghost girl inside, sealing young women away into the night. It's the best I can do. One thing I notice is that Patrick Warburton cracks his voice a little bit. Have you noticed that? Like, oh uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, not that you mentioned it. Um, but yeah, he he kind of he introduces everyone to the danger of the episode. So Al, so Al, blah, blah, blah. what is it? What is it called when people when kids gather in an auditorium? There's a word for it, and I could not write it down. I could not assembly. Oh, thank you. I can't believe I got that. Because <laughs> I can't think of like gather <laughs> or, together. Or gathering. for us, chapel. Yeah. So they, okay, so it's an assembly. Um, Daphne's really peeved that Fred shows up with Alice May. Oh, because when he, uh, when Alice May, fir- when we first walk into the school, uh, Fred sees her struggling with her locker. He says, ah, Series X Kaiser tumblers, sometimes they stick. And he helps her get her locker open. Kind of a typical thing, but I like that they play it on Fred being obsessed with locks and stuff like that. And he also gives her like a scale model of the school to help show her around. So, like, they kind of have an initial bonding. And and Daphne's just really pissed. Like, Fred offers to drive her home, and she's like, no thanks. Like, I'll walk. But also, I am going to do some additional research on this overarching mystery that we've uncovered. Yeah, these kids that disappeared so many years ago. Well, I think it's the 50s, but that's my best guess. Judging by, like, their clothing and whatnot. The clothing and the, uh, uh, and the black and white, yeah. So Daphne is in the library at night. Like, it's way past school hours way past it's not 7 p.m <laughs> unless it's like a winter solstice or whatever yeah it's midnight basically so she's doing research on the missing kids in the caves that mr e sent them um mr e sent them information about the kids not the kids yeah mr e is somebody who's been kind of giving them clues about these old kids as the thing goes we've never met him and she has all of these like uh, old newspapers and like books but conspicuously, the newspapers have, like, squares cut out of them, like articles removed, and the books have pages ripped out of them. What you'd think, just get rid of the books and the newspapers, is way more telling to have these specific articles pertaining to these kids removed than just the newspaper issue removed. So someone has erased all evidence, she notices this, all of a sudden, the lights go out. Mm. And it's very, obviously very spooky, it's, like I said, it's very late at night, she goes to the light switches, they don't work. And then there's a shadowy figure 
just in the background that at one point tries to push a bookshelf on her. That's right. I thought there was a bookshelf push. But when Daphne does, like, track this person down, who turns out to be Alice May using the facility showers because her home showers haven't been turned on yet, there's no reference to the bookshelf push. No. I mean, you know what? I will say this show successfully blocked that out of my mind because Daphne is it, in, in a really commendable show of bravery runs after the shadowy figure she does which is pretty impressive daphne's kind of baller on this show i think she's she's the most clutch mystery pursuer and so she runs into the girl's showers or locker room looks around can't find anything washes her face in one of the sinks and then my least favorite because it spooks me i'm i have a very weak constitution the look up to the mirror behind your reflection and then there's someone in the mirror i hate it watching this i got so tense in that moment I'm I uh, I don't do a lot of horror, so it didn't hit me very hard. I'm kind of I kind of block it out a lot of the time, because because to me that could happen to you. That's why it scares me. I could be washing my face, look up, and there could be someone behind me. Yeah, it doesn't even have to be a monster for that to be scary. Um, but yeah, it does turn out to be Alice May. Um, Alice d- gives her this excuse. Daphne's like, okay. Daphne's like, okay. Well, I'm gonna go home. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Alice is like, yeah, I just gotta do some cleaning up. Um. Daphne hides behind a corner and notices that Alice takes a key out and opens the basement door to the school. Yeah, she's, uh, obviously Alice is acting more suspiciously than we would have thought. Um, and that's where the scene ends. From there, I think we cut to the radio K- station. K-Ghoul. K-Ghoul, the radio station. What is her name? Ale- Angel. Angel Dynamite. Oh, I, all I can think of is Foxy Cleopatra. Beyonce's character on Goldmember. Oh, okay, I haven't seen it. But, uh, but yeah, Angel Dynamite, who's kind of the mystery-guiding presence, like the adult in the room for the gang who gives them support from a distance, and yet has zero characterization. She has a sick blacklight poster. Dang, I didn't see that. It's so cool. I am also taking a screenshot of that and putting it on ScoopyDudes.com. Um, but yeah, they so they meet up at K Ghoul and Angel Dynamite basically does all of the research for them to uh, be like, hey, you got, here's a couple of leads you guys can look at. There is, this is another part of the episode that I really liked, um, because they're talking about uh, Alice May, and Fred's like, oh yeah, she's super nice, her hair smells like peaches, sometimes I get lost in her eyes. Fred, Fred Jones, do you like her? And Fred shies away from answering it. Wow, look at the time. Uh, <laughs> you're not, you're wearing, not wearing a watch, watch Freddy. <laughs> well, better go find her, find one then. <laughs> and he's like... It's just really good dialogue, just like very yeah, sh- like it's snappy, snappy character based, um, and it it is painful for Daphne. The way Daphne reacts to it is to be very possessive and demanding of Fred, which is effed up. It's not cool, but I feel for her in the position that she's in. She does, the show does make us hurt. So for her. as you said, Angel Dynamite is the one doing all the research. She finds out that these attacks of like this ghost girl uh, absconding with prom boys. Go, go back to the turn of the century. And then she says, looks like your ghost girl is building herself a man posse. And I'm sorry? A man posse? Where did you... You took a couple of leaps to get there, Angel. Okay, so like a posse, in my mind, is what you would rustle up to go take down some outlaws. Yeah, or rob a bank. Red a Dead posse, Redemption. Yeah, a two. posse is what Red Dead Redemption 2 has. 
but you're you're not kidnapping high school boys on their way to prom and getting a posse. High school boys kidnapped from prom does not a hot posse make. It's just it's just not the right term, and then they use it again later, and I just I disagreed with that. Man, I I just breezed past that. I was like, okay, that doesn't mean anything. So, um, Fred is out looking for a watch, which means that um, <laughs> Daphne, right. Velma, Scooby, and Shaggy are going to Alice May's address, which turns out to be Crystal Cove Cemetery. Dang, that's right. I forgot that's how they got there. I thought they were investigating some previous person who'd. Uh, disappeared but yeah they're they're going around the secretary the, the secretary <laughs> um the thing that stuck to me about this scene is velma really pressuring shaggy to like get on take organized me to prom take, take me, me to prom. prom did you call the ambulance the uh, limousine <laughs> what the frick Freudians. Yeah. <laughs> seriously you you either call a limousine or call an ambulance just for yourself. Honestly, is that would basically have been really the tone. good dialogue. Like, and it's Shaggy. You had better have a limousine or an ambulance. At ready, least they would have need one of them. At least they would have made a joke or acknowledged how possessive and like not cool she's being. And again, I think Shaggy needs to communicate better with her. But at one point, she says, "Shaggy, do you even want to take me to prom? If not, just tell me." And Shaggy says. Oh well, thanks. I I really don't think I wanna. And she flips the. She's she, like, what? She starts like kicking grave headstones, <laughs> headstones. over. And she kicks them like far. far. Like she's punting them. <laughs> she's punting them. If they're, I mean, give it, give us a couple of goalposts, and she's gonna start scoring field goals. Um, and of course, Shaggy imagines his head as one of those headstones and says, "No, I do want to take you to prom. I'm just kidding." Here's the thing. Because of the tone of his voice. I couldn't tell if he was really kidding or not. He was not kid, Dude, come on. He did I'm not want to go to prom. I'm serious. I'm serious, dude. I heard that and I was like, oh, maybe Shaggy really was kidding. No, dude, he's not. He's, I'm not even going to say henpecked. I think this is a controlling, unhealthy relationship. One in which he does need to, he needs to express himself more because it's not fair to Velma. But it's so unhealthy. And I do think that's still a negative aspect of this show that they don't engage with smartly enough. So at one point, a hand comes out of the ground all of a sudden the zombie girl is there they don't really she doesn't have a name which i found disappointing they don't uh, yeah i mean it's kind of, it's kind of hard to blame daphne for thinking it's alice may this ghost girl this ghoul girl because we never have another name to put on this ghost ghoul girl just say the monster something um they're chased all four of them together they make their way together and then at one point they skate down a hill on headstones or tombstones and it looks really good and Legolas is skating down on the headstones. He clips a couple of orcs as he's going with his bow. And then he that's, jumps that's the headstone into the neck of an orc. Yeah, that's where I went. <laughs> oh, man. That be that was so sick, actually. Really? That was, like, the sickest thing in the moment. And then looking back, I'm like, man, that was pretty cheesy. <laughs> Whoa. Evan, I feel like this is the biggest disagreement we've had yet on the podcast. This might break us. I'm going to skate downstairs on a shield and hit you in the neck No, don't do it, man. Don't do that. And then you'll know how it feels. Oh, dude, don't. Fine. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna let Gimli do it to me a few more times though, so he'll beat you for numbers. Legolas had so many arrows. Yeah, he really did. Was a real Hawkeye kind of quiver. At least Hawkeye has like a high tech quiver. It makes sense for Hawkeye that you could be like, well, they just get generated out of science. But Legolas is he? Does he ever run out? You know what? Maybe it's like the bottomless pan of lasagna. That's what his quiver is. It's magical. Why do you reference the bottomless pan of lasagna like it's a thing? Like people just know about Ever, Does not everyone oh, yeah, not the bottomless know? Pan of Garfield's lasagna. bottomless pan of lasagna that he dreamt about in one episode. 
or one one episode, one one of those three panel episodes they release there, in newspapers I mean, there have every week. been Garfield cartoons. There have, but I don't what think bottomless panels on it played a part. What happens? Garfield dreams that he's eating a bottomless pan of lasagna, but he wakes up and he's just like pan- scooping air out of his bed into his mouth. Why does the air have to be in his bed? I don't know why his bed is the pan in his dream. Oh, okay, no, I no, guess, I get yeah. what you're saying. Like just scooping like nothingness out of his he's, bed. Yeah, yeah, exactly like that. I didn't describe it well, but uh, but that reference was so worth the journey. Did you ever want to sleep like Garfield? Oh, and that's cozy little. Did he look so? Oh, uh, he's like overflowing like a, little a little bit. Like yeah, he's, yeah, just he's just all muffin top. He's a loaf of bread. Yeah. Oh man, wasn't expecting to connect over that, but heck yeah, man. All right, it <laughs> really so resonates with me. It really does. Yeah, there we go. So the gang makes their way into a mausoleum, which they find is that of, or it's got the name of, the person, Carswell, who was the creeper in the Jeepers It's the Creeper episode so many years ago. And then this is so cool. This is one of our favorite episodes. I think in many people's minds, it's just so iconic. It's iconic Scooby-Doo. It might be the prototypical episode of Scooby-Doo. Not the earliest, but the typical earliest episode. And it's an actual throwback where it's like, it's the actual just redrawn in this style not like not like clipped from the original series but of them everyone going through the hay baler and not being killed but instead being deposited in these little bales of hay with a head sticking out it is a shot for shot remaster this is the game of the year edition that came out 20 years after the fact so it's it's so cool that they so they just do this little throwback they open up what i guess is where a body would be in this mausoleum and they find a creeper mask and then I also noticed there was, like, a sandwich in a Ziploc, and, I mean, I didn't have product placement. Anyway, uh, like a bottle of water and, uh, like, a school bag. Evan, uh, how much is Ziploc paying you? Not enough. <laughs> Not enough. Yeah, I was going to say. I think we need to get them on donors. They're technically just called sandwich bags. I think they're just sandwich bags, but it's, like, Kleenex. It's, like, or Febreze. It's, like, technically it's a brand, but it's cornered the market. Or Post-It, also a brand name. Can you imagine going through life and just never using any, um, like, brand names? It'd be really tough. Honestly, when you said sandwich in a Ziploc and you're like, oh, like, plugging their product, I was like, sandwich isn't a product like there's no <laughs> nobody has their trademark yeah, nobody has that but i should man we should get there um but yeah they're here in the mausoleum they find a couple of clues the mon- they hear a banging on the door and at that point we realize that fred is on the outside of the mausoleum because he he is the one that busts in uh it's also notable they also find inside of this little um stone compartment uh a transfer slip from crystal cove high Yes, which I guess means someone's looking to transfer out or in. I think it means they transferred in. I guess so. But that doesn't really make sense because you need a transfer. I don't. I have no idea. Actually, I'm way past uh, speaking. Wow, this is a neat mausoleum. Thanks, Fred. <laughs> you weirdo. <laughs> I love Fred. Uh, Alice May is a ghost. Daphne is like Fred. She wants to put you in her man posse. Yeah, and they're all like, uh, and all the rest of the gang is kind of not backing Daphne up on this because Daphne has not one shred of evidence. And nor I really love that she she's just like Fred. Alice May is the ghost girl, and she's like guys, guys. And I like this because I get where Daphne's coming from. Alice May has acted suspiciously, and we have good reason to believe she actually is the the villain. But the rest of the gang doesn't have enough reason to go on that. So everyone's acting honestly and realistically. I think here. Da- Velma's like, I'm sorry, Daphne, but I just don't see it. Um, so it then turns out that Alice has asked Fred to the prom. He has agreed. 
Um, and then there's this little... I, I wish that it could have been lengthened because I really like it. This whole like, oh, it's prom night. What are all the char- respective characters doing in their homes? It's a it's a prom prep montage. And I also would have liked it a little bit more. I think the, the Velma joke is that she has a kind of prim, old-timey, grandmother-ish prom outfit that she then puts a turtleneck sweater over. I, which I thought was a good gag. Um, I thought that was a good gag for her. Fred gets caught in a trap, which is just like, okay, that's fine. It's not bad. It's not great. Yeah. Uh, Scooby is uh, looking lovingly at a signed picture of Vincent Van Gogh as Shaggy is outside the window preparing a go bag for prom. Like, he he goes to prom the way people leave their lives behind when the mob finds out where they live. Uh, And Daphne, on the other hand, very forlorn, she has um, dreamt about this night, prom night with Fred, for I guess as long as she's known him. She is sobbing over a photo of him which i think hilariously is a candid <laughs> like like i don't believe he knew he this photo was being taken of him this is a headshot from fred i love that i please do a screenshot of that because i don't remember it um and delilah shows up i love this daphne's sisters might be my favorite gag in this show which i i always i can't not think of them as like nurse joys yeah no that's right i love that reference they're all different versions of themselves um and this Daphne sister is a military type with one of those like whips that looks like a mini flexible golf club. A mini <laughs> flexible golf club. Okay, it's not as dumb as it sounds, man. You know it's got that little thing <laughs> right, on the end? Listeners, listeners, listen. Imagine you had a tiny golf club made of rubber and it's just flopping around. Come on, man. Um. Before we started recording, you were talking to me about many flexible golf clubs. I can't believe you're blasting me now. She just basically... I actually really, really like this as well. Because she she tries to give her advice about, like, establishing a beachhead, not wanting to lose any guys. and she's like, I've been Fear's bunkmate before. Oh, call me if you need me. hoo And then, like, walks away. <laughs> I know she's great. I should have looked up her voice actor because I thought she had great work. Um, And then Daphne is like, I wrote in my notes, then who was Beach? Basically, that's it. She's like, ah, oh, so Fred is my, my fellow soldier, and the, Alice is the beach. Or is Alice the soldier, and the beach is the violence? Or is, I don't, I, I, I don't know. All I know is I understand. She's reinvigorated. And the, honestly, yeah. the whole exchange and then what happens afterwards, very good. I thought it was Very excellent. good. We cut from there to uh, the limo pulling in front of Fred's house. Daphne tackles Fred off of his porch before he gets into the limo. And basically begs him to go with her instead. Fred, I've had this dream my entire life, and every time I've had it, you're in it. And and Fred, this is like a really heartfelt bearing of her emotions, and Fred's yeah. like, ah, what the heck? Going to prom with a friend would be more fun anyway. He just does not get it. And also, like, here's something. I want to take a moment. What do you think about this interaction? Like, let's think about it in a real way. Is this okay for Daphne to ask? Is it, like, what's what do we think of this? It feels sticky, and I want to unravel it a little bit. I think I have another friend who has had this sort of, like, awkward thing going on with this guy, and I've been telling her, I was just like, listen, if you just be honest about your feelings, it's the best way, because otherwise you're just pining over this person, and it's unpleasant for you, and you never find out, or 
they find out how you feel. If they don't reciprocate, you move on with your life. And if they do reciprocate, then you're in a relationship, and it's nice. It's just, in every regard, you need to bear it really explicitly, and Daphne never does quite lay it out on the line for Fred like that. And I think it's not fair to Fred, because she's keeping him from moving forward with the relationship that he wants that's important to him, because she doesn't want that for him. Well, is it that important? Because Fred bails... I'd say like with almost zero prompting. He bails with almost zero prompting because his friend begged him to. I, I view this as like really props to Fred for this because although he doesn't understand what that Velma's, excuse me, that Daphne's saying this romantically, he sees that it's important to Daphne to go with him, and he abandoned. He he is clearly into Alice May, but he abandons that to go with Daphne. So the limo, he is sort of going up to the limo and like apologizing to Alice May who's inside, and the door slams and the limo just like peels out, zooms yeah. off. Yeah. Um, we we go to the dance. Daphne and Fred are dancing. Daphne's having. Well, hold on. Oh, sorry. The we we Scooby and Shaggy oh, are still me. under uh, Van Gulagon. Yep. This is I I don't know if it's funny or like horrific. But they're watching this movie. Mm-hmm. It's it's a Vincent Van Gogh. No, remember movie. what I said first. Earlier I said earlier I said they seem to be scared of Vincent Van Gogh at the end of a Vincent <laughs> Van Gogh. Why would that be? Isn't he the protagonist? Isn't everyone else scary in this? No, 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 no. <laughs> this is so funny to me. It's Vincent Van Gogh. He's again wearing his like opera going outfit. Classic Vinci outfit. Yeah, BBG. Um, he's wielding a chainsaw. And he's menacing a pig man. You're right, he's menacing a pig man. I can't tell if he's lunging at the pig man. This giant, like, pig man who looks like uh, one, one of the... T- like a Gamorrean guard oh. from Ooh, Star that's Wars. a good one. I was going to say one of the um, uh, villains from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. What I can't remember. The- oh, Bebop or Rockstar. Whichever one that pig one was. And this pig is, like, cowering in the corner. Is Vincent... Here's the funniest thing to me. Not only is the pig cowering, the pig is manacled. <laughs> really? I didn't see that. <laughs> So, so Vince Van Gogh is attacking this pig monster who is helpless and defenseless. And, and again, like, the line between attacking and just menacing is so blurred to me. Vincent's, like, swinging a live, like, chainsaw at him with the kind of regard that's like, I kind of want to hit you, but I kind of want to scare it you. It kind of looks like he's playing a prank on him. I, I, man, it's effed. <laughs> that's the last we see of Vincent Van Gogh. I, I think he might be the villain. I think that first movie ended on a bad note. So, Scoop, um, Shaggy huh. sneaks out, says, like, oh, Scoop. Makes an excuse to run to the sardines. Store. I'm just going to go buy them. There are sardines. Scoop is like, Raggy. You know? He sees the limo peel off but, uh, and assumes that Shaggy must have gone with Velma cause, or uh, with the monster. With the ghost girl. With the ghost girl because Scooby didn't, doesn't know about Shaggy and Velma. The, so, um, um, inside to, of the limo that peeled out, as you said, very well, uh, um, from Fred and Daphne, the Alice transforms into the ghost girl. And again, who's the driver? Who's the driver that just needs to earn his wage? And what's so funny to me is that the limo pulls up to the school and the ghost girl just casually saunters out. As the ghost! And, and right before that, we see uh, Velma be like, oh, let's park around the corner. So she and Shaggy actually go around the corner. Scooby sees the ghost girl come out of the, uh, the ghoul girl, I should say, coming out of the limo. So he thinks, oh, she's gotten Shaggy. He looks in, Shaggy's not in the limo. Oh, no. And yeah, again, this ghoul is just walking around. The whole town now knows about her because of Sheriff Bronson Stone's announcement. My goodness. So we're now inside of the gym. And let me say, compared to the school auditorium. All right, I'll let you say it. The gym looks fine. Yeah. I think that's the reason why I, I wasn't as wowed by it as you were, is because I remembered it during the prom. No, 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 that was the auditorium. 
That was that was like. Oh no, you're right. I'm getting this mixed up. Oh, okay. Yep. Sorry. This is just like a regular gym, and it's honestly they should have, like you said, they just should have done it in the, the auditorium. auditorium. Yeah. So everyone's dancing. Fred is dancing with Daphne, and I had to listen to it five times and did not get the dialogue down perfectly. Oh, what 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 was it? What do you think was? But Fred says, "Hey, Daph, you okay? What's with your face? You look like you're gonna mork." <laughs> Probably was Mork. It could have been anything there. Which is like so rude. So rude and mean. And like, oh, like even as a, I guess it's like such a bro thing to say. No, I like. I think Fred's just being like a genuinely concerned friend. But also, ah, oh, Freddie. But like, if I was saying that to you, because we're not romantically interested in each other, um, would that be? You don't have to shake your head, man. Don't, you don't have to look. I said it. Okay, you don't have to agree with me so much. Don't 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 make a sour face. No, ugh. No, okay. Like you got a hairball. Like you got a hair in your mouth. All right, dude. Oh, don't choke it. Okay, fine. <laughs> but like, it wouldn't be weird for two people who are purely platonic to one person say like, "Oh, dude, you look like you're about to vomit." What's that? Okay, you know what? I hear Mork. it now. That is kind of mean. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's. I don't know. It's mean. Um, Scooby runs into the gym. Says, "Ghost girl." She's behind him. Hope you saved a dance for me, Fred. Mm, Scooby jumps into Shaggy's arms, and I love this moment where Scooby's like, What are you wearing? Uh, here's the thing. The ghost girl has appeared, so prom is more or less canceled because of this monster. And this one kid who's running away is like, thinks that it's someone's mom. Oh, yeah. Well, she does look, like, really aged. It doesn't look like Alice May at all because it's, like, decomposing stuff. He's like, somebody's grandma or somebody's mom is up there. Which is like, that's... Whose mom do you think looks like that? There's like a student who looks like the kid of that, like somebody with just a yeah. deformed face. Whose mother has shown up in a prom dress? Yeah, that too. Somebody who really wants to relive those glory days. So The gang's all running away. Daphne busts into Alice's locker and grabs the key to the basement, where, of course, they're all going to go. And honestly, the basement is very spooky. The basement has like Mike Mignola-y shadows all over the place. It also looks like it's a forge, like this is uh, like where the weapons of Mordor are forged or something. Like, is it just me or are there like pools of apparent magma in there? <laughs> kind of, yeah. Kind of, yeah. Like it feels like this is not a school basement. Um, they find down there the backpack that they saw in the crypt with Alice's clothes and the creeper costume. Yes. Alice's like Gwen Stacy right? dress and also yeah. like the creeper costume. And then they're just like, okay, we've basically figured out this yeah. mystery. They go to the gym. Um, Alice May, ghost girl, sort of wanders in, because I guess she spooked all the other kids. Uh, disco ball lights up, and then she can see that they are in the band stand. Well, not the band stand, but they're up on the stage. They are the band. Everybody but Fred is doing an Archie's kind of band thing. They're all playing music as Fred is there saying, hey, let's have that dance. And, okay, this is the closest we're going to get to the Scooby-Doop in this episode. Oh, you're right. Maybe in the series. The Scooby-Doop being a gag typically enacted by Scooby and or Shaggy in which they create an elaborate scenario where the social pressures are so great that the ghost is forced to comply. In this case, were this a different series... The ghost would want to take Fred up on that dance, and they'd use that as an opportunity to catch the ghost. Here, they would dance, yep. and Fred would, like, spin the ghost wildly mm. into, like, a cartoon tornado. Typically, it, it is for them to escape, though. Typically, the Scooby-Doop is for them to run away, not for them to capture the monster. Can we do, really quickly, it's been quite a while, some Scooby-Doops for this episode. 
Um, okay, right off the top of my head, um, they uh, Fred shows up to give her a corsage, but it's massive. Like it's a um, like you gotta wheel it like in on a wheelbarrow, and when he attaches it to her wrist, it's like a weight. It's like an anchor. You know, or he just keeps putting corsage. Oh, like I've got this corsage, oh. and of course you need a rose here. He turns her into a bouquet. Okay, you know what? Oh That's man, better. okay, yeah. that I think is very funny. Yeah, multiple corsages and like a red rose, and like, just, well, of course like, you gotta have a white rose. Corsages. And of course you gotta. He just keeps yeah. giving her too much stuff. Okay, that's funny. Um, I would do it that uh, Ghost Girl is crowned the prom queen. Oh, the prom king right? and queen? I think that kind of makes sense. And then what they do is they call her up and then pour blood on her. <laughs> <laughs> and that... What does that do? Because that kind of just lets puts her back into character. Like, oh wait, yeah, I'm trying to murder all these mofos. No, then she's like chagrined. She's shamed in front of the entire high she school. She says she she runs home. She runs home, never to discover her superpowers. I don't know how Carrie. Goes. It does not go like, like that. Not like that. <laughs> I do really like it. I think that's really funny. They, so they basically do this thing where she runs and she leaps at Fred, and Fred's like, "Now!" And uh, they have this pulley sort of contraption and there's like a noose mm. there and what happens is it like wraps around her neck and she gets like pulled up into the into the ceiling it, does, it goes around her wrists doesn't it <laughs> yeah so, yeah i don't you know you you really want that clayton referenced for this episode yeah <laughs> i wasn't gonna say it tarzan clayton gets hung it's great um after they catch the monster, Mayor Jones shows up. This is Fred's dad, who's the mayor of Crystal Cove. He has perhaps my favorite line of the episode. Didn't I tell you if you see a ghost girl, don't go to prom with her? Come on, Fred. Come on, Fred. You, your dad knows you. He's got your number. And they're like, this was Alice May. Or Alice Carswell. The Creeper's daughter. Because Mr. Carswell, the bank manager from The Creeper... Um, apparently had a daughter, and she apparently wanted revenge on this gang for putting She was like, dad away? Dean Carswell was my father. Yeah. And, and then there's like this sepia-toned flashback where she is like a very young little girl seeing her father get taken away by police. Which begs the question, how long have the gang been traveling around solving mysteries? Because that was the gang as we know them who caught the creeper, but that couldn't have been taking place in Crystal Cove. Or may I guess it was. Uh, she used her father's costume to make her own costume um the reason there was a sandwich in a sandwich bag and also unlabeled bottles of water in the mausoleum was because she was actually keeping randy there what they did not show in the frame was the bucket of feces and urine and like the fact that he had suffocated because she just like sealed him in a wall in the crypt with that food i imagine she's like putting food in his mouth that just sits there because he's dead um, <laughs> oh, my gross. big question is this as we'd indicated is one of many boys who've been kidnapped where are the other boys they're in a posse they're in the posse <laughs> you know what they're running around knocking over banks rustling cattle <laughs> living the good old life getting 95% ratings on Metacritic despite massive crunch they demanded from their workers <laughs> so um, basically she's taken away uh, they noticed that Alice's bag was left behind. They're like, oh, this needs to go into police evidence. Mm. Um, they but pick they, it up. They don't put it there. <laughs> a yearbook plops out, and they notice Plop. that the kids in this locket that they found in the caves below Crystal Cove the kids, are the same kids yeah. in the yearbook. There are four of them. All I remember is that they look like they're from the 50s and that one of the girls is black. 
And also, they have a mascot named Professor Pericles. Who is an owl. And, why did uh, they disappear, they ask. Yeah, why did they disappear? Where did they go to? They look just like us. Um, and that's that's the end of the gang proper as we have them. The kind of post-credit scene of this episode is what pushes it over the top for me, is the episode that makes me interested in this show. So Alice is in jail, which uh, she's a minor, so... Well, yeah, she should be juvie. Maybe she's not. Maybe she's not, that's true. Although if she was a kid when everyone else caught the creeper... And they look the same age. The gang looks the same age when they caught the creeper to present. She's shouldn't be that much older. And actually, it's it's great. I think it's great that for observant viewers who are like, okay, these timelines don't make sense. This justifies right. that doubt. Or it, what's the word I'm looking for? It completely uh, excuse explains it. I don't or know. What what the, I'll, I'll, sure. I'll think yeah. about it later. Um. So she's like, oh, it's about time you got here. She gets out of jail. Um, she is saying it'll be a little while until they realize that Carswell didn't have a daughter. Mm. She's saying this to the uh, the tall businessman with a very deep voice. Uh, he voices Mr. Incredible in non-film versions of The Incredibles, replacing Craig T. Nelson and a lot of other voices. Non-film versions of The Incredibles. Incredibles video games, basically. Oh. Um, he's got a great voice. It's like a great voice vocal presence uh, for this guy who's busting her out, who she clearly kind of reports to. He's kind of tall, broad-shouldered, middle-aged, clearly, because he's, uh, it's more, his hairline has more than receded. It's kind of gotten to, like, oh, past the mid, past the midpoint. Stop gesturing towards me like I know, okay? Stop, so stop, <laughs> stop pointing this, towards me like this, I'm an example. <laughs> there's an uh, actor that he really looks like who was, like, a bad guy, I think, on Green Arrow. Okay, or Arrow, sorry. And I'm, I'll put that in the show notes as well. Um... But he is basically saying, like, listen, you were hired by Mr. E. You don't, for, to do this job, you don't need to concern yourself any longer with what happens afterwards. Yeah, with the details. And we basically, when she's talking to him, she, we find out she made up the whole Creeper story. Mr. Carswell never had a daughter, but it'll be a few days till they find out. And also that it is high time that someone solves the mystery, I guess, of, like, where these kids went. Yeah, so Mr. E, again, have been leading the gang towards this deeper mystery in Crystal Cove that pertains to the disappearance of these kids. The, this yearbook, this guy is telling us, should help them get most of the rest of the way there. And I think he says, underneath Crystal Cove. And that's the episode. And here, the big thing that occurred to me at the end of this episode is, this struck me as the part where the series should have started, I don't see anything in the preceding five episodes that we couldn't have, that we don't just assume is happening here, or we can't just see it in, in this episode. I feel like this series falls victim to starting a little bit sooner than the action. What do you think? I mean, I think, I think it's good to establish the fact that they're solving mysteries and whatnot. Hmm. Um, but I think this is episode six, and maybe it could have been done in like episode four. Like they didn't need they didn't need the buffer episodes because I think they, they padded this out a little bit. I think they stretched out the long-running mystery way longer than they had to, especially because this is the first time I'm actually interested in that long-running mystery where I feel like they've given me enough detail that I'm chewing on it a little bit. I would have loved this in episode one. I also would love a lot more with Angel Dynamite, who I think is clearly an important character, who's clearly, like, very valuable to the team, and yet who has received virtually no characterization whatsoever. If and when anything does proceed with her, I feel like it won't have the foundation it could have. 
With all that said, this is the most excited I've ever been for this show, and I'm very excited for the next episode. The next episode will be coming in a few months. If you want us to cover this sooner, let us know. Tell us. Yeah, let us know. Not going to make any promises, but uh, yeah, I mean, if if people want it, then uh, we'll give it to them. Give it to you. Oh, also, I think the legend of Alice May almost works. I think the myth of Alice May would work better because. Alice May isn't real. It's all a fake story put on by Mr. E. So it's kind of a legend, but legend has more of like a old story rooted somehow in like truth or culture, and that's not a factor here. Um, still, again, I really like this episode. And that's it. That's it. Uh, excuse me. I, I don't want to interrupt your meal, but are you, are you Evan of the Scooby Dudes? Who's asking? I, oh, I'm sorry. I'm just. I'm such a huge fan of the Scooby Dudes. I can't believe I've. I'm stop. S- you're hurting me. Oh, sorry, sorry. 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 Let me. Oh, my bad. Also, I love it when you do that bit on the Scooby Dudes. That's a great one. You pretend Luke is hurting you, even though you're recording. Oh, from my this. arm. Okay, I'm letting go. I'm letting go. Back and hold on to this arm. And my leg. Okay. Oh boy, you really are just. A... And my torso. Oh, oh God. I see why Luke is annoyed with you a lot. Look, I. <laughs> I just want to say I love your podcast. I think it's amazing, and I, my favorite part is at the end of the episode when you do all your plugs and you say all the places you, I can follow up with you. Could you could you do that for me now? Again, I'm so sorry to interrupt you and your lovely friend having dinner. That's quite all right. I uh, I don't mind a bit. No, Luke. He was he was, he had somehow grabbed me by the arm, the leg, and the torso. No, again, it's totally fine. I don't mind. Grab away. No, I mean, he can grab you. I don't want to grab Luke. Look at him. Look at his skin and bones. Look at that. Blah, blah, blah. I don't blame you a bit for that. Also, how do you like my real voice? I think it's great. It's cool. You should do it on the podcast more. Uh, so, Evan, can you do... I like it when you do the plugs. Can you tell me where I can follow up? Are you sure you don't You don't want Luke to do anything? You don't want to grab him just a little no, bit? Look at, I don't, do you want to grab him? Look, I'll do the plugs if you grab Luke. This is a high price to pay. Doesn't matter where I grab him. No, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. As long as you grab him in a minimum of two places. Uh, well, first I'll grab him in his Evan. <laughs> hey, hey! <laughs> yeah, and then I'll grab him on his co-host. <laughs> oh, wow, you really <laughs> got a loophole there. No, get, look, get, <laughs> okay, get him off on, me. Okay, enough of that. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. All right, I did it. Fair is fair. You owe me. Do the plugs. All right. I'm, I'm just going to do them really quickly because I you're really freaking me out. I don't want you here. Just trying to would have you, a... Would you, would you like me to do the plugs as well? No, I just want him to do it. <laughs> Luke, are you sure you don't want to help me out? I mean, I, this is his choice. He's the fan. Yeah, do it, Evan. Do... So, could I have your name? Yeah, uh, yeah. my name's Jeff. Jeff. Mm-hmm. All right, Jeff, I, do, do you like us on Facebook? I, I, I haven't liked you on Facebook, but I do like your stuff on Facebook. All right, all right, fan. All right, super fan. Facebook.com slash Scooby Dudes artist. Not doing a very good job. He never said he was a super fan. I never said I was a super fan. Thanks, Luke. You're a fan. You're a fan. I'm a fan. Have you, have you fought us on Twitter? At the Scooby Dudes? Uh, no. All right, you know what? I, I follow Scooby Dudes. Yeah, more, actually, I did. I followed. I did, heard pop- I did follow Scooby Dudes on Twitter. Yeah, I got you there. Have you? Yeah, Scooby Dudes on Twitter at Scooby Dudes. No, 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 the Scooby Dudes. Why would I do that? Because that's our official podcast Twitter. Wow, you really screwed up on that one, dude. 
Yeah, Evan, I'm sorry, but that uh, was on you. All right. No, we're not going to turn this back on me. I don't think this guy has ever sent us an email at scoobydudespodcast at gmail.com. I email scoobydudes at gmail.com all no, the no, time. No, no, scoobydudespodcast at gmail.com. Okay. Where else? Tell me more. Have you ever Have you ever been to scoobydudes.com? Uh, yeah, I go to scoobydudes.com all the time. Okay, can you tell us what the, what's on this website? Uh, scoobydudes.com. Uh, it's a guy who dresses up as Scooby-Doo, uh, and then four other dudes all strip down naked, okay, and they okay. oil each I, other up. I have up. your phone here. Okay, yeah. Oh. I'm in Whoa. your browser history. This is scoobynudes.com. Uh, oops. What? You, you know that this is a podcast, right? Uh, this is Scooby-Doo's. Uh, this is where you guys... Luke and I are the Scooby-Doo. One of you dresses up as Scooby-Doo, the other oils himself up, and then you go into the bedroom, no, no, and no, then... No, 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 I think you have the wrong people. I have, I have an, I have an, I think he's onto something, though. Could we Could we be breaking into a new no, market no, here? No, Luke, listen, I don't think this guy has ever once in his life... Two dudes. ...donated to us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Scooby-Dudes. Why would I do that, though? Because then you could be one of our donors, and then you... Look... We do this thing where we say all of their names every week. It sounds like this. And then we give them extra content. And I don't think you've ever donated to us. What kind of fan are you? Uh, Well, my my legal name is also Luke. Um, I I thought I donated, but maybe not. I don't know. Do you have any? Evan, we do have someone named also Luke who donates. That's got Luke. That's me. And then also Luke. That's, I guess, him. Yeah, kind of being rude to your fan here. Okay. And lastly, have you ever left us a five-star review on iTunes? Uh, no, but I'd love to do that. Uh, where I okay? But why would I do that? Because that helps us. That uh-huh. helps people find our podcast more easily. Okay, but what? Well, what's in it for me? You support our podcast, Evan. You gotta sweeten the deal. I will read the review on our podcast. Not enough. Okay, but I'll actively listen to that <laughs> review as it's read. Oh, it's good. I like that a lot. You sound like you listen to a lot of Lauren Lapkus. Like you like her characters a lot. <laughs> yeah, I like it when she's gross. Lauren? Lauren, is that you? Yep, it's me, Lauren Lapkus. Later, bye. Evan, I think she was effing with us. I think she was just trying to get in our heads because we're a rival podcast. I can't believe Lauren Lapkus came up to us at dinner and physically assaulted me. Yeah, I, honestly, I'm kind of, I'm kind of jealous of you. I could hit you. And then you could be physically assaulted by the guy who was physically assaulted by Lauren Lapkus. Assault is never funny, Evan. If this were the podcast, I would never want you to make a joke about that. I think that's kind of... Ow, Evan, stop! Uh, Okay, fine, Evan, but I'll do this to you! Uh, uh, uh. Evan, let's put this on Scooby News, our other website. (laughs) 